Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome in to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you on this Thursday morning, first day of November. I brought this up earlier. It is half price candy day at most stores today as they're getting rid of their Halloween candy. So if you didn't get your fill last night, did you check your dad tax last night, Chris? Your your rightful amount of candy from the kids? Should probably turn your microphone on. That might help. Nope. Chris Maybe. is uh, working on it. Yeah. Hold on. Chris's mic had too much candy last okay. night. It is not functioning well, today. So, or okay. uh, too much there of the it is. Adult. There it is. Mic, mic number three. There you go. I don't, I don't really know if that's on or not, um, honestly. I think it is. Dave, we good? Okay. Yeah, he's good. All right. Anyways, Chris. That's fair. More, more than my dad tax. Well, you know, inflation. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Halloween's done. Now you can turn your attention to Thanksgiving. Uh, obviously, the Christmas holiday's coming up. But uh, obviously, a very exciting time in the sports calendar. Uh, and uh, Bill and Preston had uh, Coach Paris coming up or, uh, this morning on the uh, on the early game. And I was telling the uh, the uh, sports information guy i'm like basketball season's completely creeped up on me like getting lost in football i'm like oh crap basketball starts next week yeah it starts today for exhibition that's true they do have the exhibition against wofford coming up tonight but like the the first official game of the season on tuesday against uh upstate but yeah exciting time of the year obviously you got world series going on as well um thankfully no uh no uh no are you examining my headphones 
those are the biggest headphones I've ever seen in my <laughs> did, life. Did you now, hear? I was wondering if Coach Paris wore no, those this so morning. The, those were actually given to me by one of our listeners because I mentioned last week when I was on with Terry that not these headphones, the other ones that I have are were uh, cheap ones from like Best Buy. So when we did the uh, watch party at O'Hara's, a listener brought me those headphones. He's like, oh, I won these in like a raffle a couple of years ago. I don't use them. So, so I can't decide if those are good or bad headphones. They're very, good. No, no offense. Uh, like, they're they good. They're very good quality headphones. They look good quality. And it's I, like studio quality headphones. Okay. Okay. Very nice of him. Very Pion- nice. Pioneer. I remember sure. I had a Pioneer <laughs> CD player in my car. I did too. Growing up. Shout There's out. your first problem, though, Tyler, using uh, Best Buy headphones. You should have called Integrated Media. I, I, really, I really should have. I was in a pinch. I needed some really quick, so I bought the cheapest pair I could find. But, yes, I, I should have called our friends over at Integrated Media. All that being said, as usual, Coach Beamer spoke to the media yesterday for his usual Tuesday pref- press conference sponsored by Pete Alewine, Pools and Spas, and, of course, we always have to talk about injuries. And Coach Beamer gave us the latest injury update yesterday. Uh, Trey Jones will not play. He will be out. Um, everyone else is questionable. Those guys that got banged up last week all did a little bit in practice today, some more than others. And uh, as far as Juice, he's getting closer and closer. I don't know if he'll quite be ready for Saturday. I'm not ready to quite rule him out yet, though, Gene. Uh, so to answer your question, Trey Jones out. Everybody else questionable, and and uh, we'll see how the week goes. But nobody that I could sit here today and say, oh, he's definitely out. We're not to that point yet. Get to Trey Jones in a moment. For the first time in several weeks, Coach Beamer brought up Juice Wells without being asked. I think that's a positive sign. At least hopefully it is. That's a change, right? I mean, because there there been, there been a couple times, I feel like, Wes, where he has not even mentioned Juice. So you kind of just are like, well, I mean, it's been kind of alternating, right? There have been times where he hasn't mentioned Juice, been some times where he's go, Juice Wells will be out, right? And so this was a little bit different, and he kind of took it a little step further, actually, with kind of giving an actual update and some detail as well on, on like, how close he might be getting. You know, I do I do think sometimes maybe it has just slipped his mind. Yeah, absolutely. To, to mention it yeah. as well, because he, uh, I think he was – getting into so many other things yesterday he didn't give the initial injury report and somebody said hey coach injury report so well because david I, wasn't there to ask the question yes uh, <laughs> is david in paris is that um maybe he might be i don't so know that's actually anyway, a good question we'll get to the bottom of that but i think yes yeah, it's, it's a good sign and i i mean the the thing about this whole juice wells thing from the very beginning is you know they they actually have been pretty open about what was going on with wells and kind of the timetable and at times kind of just saying, hey, there, there really is not a timetable at this point. And I think people are like, oh, why aren't you telling us the timetable? And they're like, no, there's really not a timetable. And it kind of reminds me going into the first game, that people, some people just did not want to believe that Deuce Wells might play in game one. And they're like, oh, there's no way he's playing. He's <laughs> definitely out. And then he suits up and there he is. And Charlotte was not himself, but – he, he played in the game and played the first three games. Obviously, we know the story now. Ended up looking like himself against Georgia and then instantly is back out again. Some of those same people, oh, he's not going to play this year. He's not going to play this year. And, you know, I think it certainly has been up in the air at times about whether he would be back. But it maybe feels like it's starting to trend back towards getting a Juice Wells appearance at some point this year. And, you know, from what I've 
been told. I, I don't think Juice Wells has ever completely ruled out playing this year. Just like I don't think Juice Wells has completely ruled out the potential of returning next year. Like I, I think all those things are on the table for for him as a player and for South Carolina. Well, and for Juice Wells, obviously coming into the season was very highly thought of by a lot of um, you know uh, draft scouts and everything on where you could go in the draft. And obviously that's fallen off quite a bit with the injury situation. Xavier Leggett has ended up rising up in that role. But let's say, and I would assume he probably, even if he was good to go, probably wouldn't come back this weekend against Jacksonville State. You likely don't need him to beat a team like Jacksonville State. At least you don't think you would. Um, but let's say he comes back for the final three games of the season, balls out like he did at the end of last year, and then it becomes a question like, okay, is he still highly valued enough by draft scouts to maybe be a third or fourth round guy, or does he need to come back for that extra year to raise that draft stock up once again? And those are conversations, obviously, to have more of in the offseason, but you know, still, again, kind of on the fence on whether he would go or come back for another season. Yeah, I think that's when it becomes a, a real conversation, honestly. And and last year, it, it was a real conversation for him. It was a real process. Like I think there was an assumption at times going into last offseason that Juice Wells was definitely coming back, and that was kind of a narrative that was floating out there. That was honestly, frankly, never the case, that he was definitely coming back. Like It was a process, and you know, let's be let's be frank these days it's a different conversation than it was five years ago five years ago if you're juice wells last year you're you're going more than likely uh, i would say if you're a top athlete these days then you are comparing the nil opportunities you have with your nfl opportunities and you know what, what is my current age how many years do i have left how do the nfl teams see me right now what is my upside Am I one of those guys? Some guys are juniors, and maybe they're not a first-round pick, but let's say they're a smaller wide receiver. Juice Wells obviously is not. Teams may be telling you, look, man, you could catch 500 balls <laughs> next year, yeah, and we don't care because you're 5'7". So you may say, well, I either love school and I want to come back, or... I'm ready to move on, and I just go ahead because I have no upside left. I, I think with Juice Wells, at least as you sit right now, and certainly this time last year going into last offseason, there is quite a bit of upside. If, if he was having the year Leggett has had right now, then we'd be talking about Juice as the guy who has continued to raise his stock. And I think we saw last year he's capable of that. And just the, the injuries, for whatever reason, have gotten – in the way to him doing that. And you also look at, like, so Juice is a guy who's, he's been in school a while. He's been at two different schools. He is coming off a college injury. And so just to add another layer to it, could be thinking, well, man, like, I come back to school next year. Sure, I, I could potentially raise my stock, but you can also always get hurt again, right? You never know. Juice Wells is a guy that he bet on himself, right? He was at James Madison broke a whole bunch of records after, what, two seasons on the field, basically, broke a whole bunch of their records, and decided to bet on himself, enter the portal, got to South Carolina, and obviously played extremely well against great competition, you know, Tennessee, Clemson. You saw what he did throughout the year last year. So there's a lot to weigh. And so as we've gotten the two main questions with him, can he come back and play this year? What's he going to do next year? You know, it, it has been kind of fluid, and, and there's a lot to consider in that equation. 
And getting back to where Coach Boomer started the injury report, Trey Jones, another offensive lineman, out for this weekend. So I guess that probably make the ninth different starting offensive line combination for Jacksonville State coming up on Saturday. Yeah, it almost it would have to, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're probably looking at Ja'Kai Moore. That's who slid in at left guard. It, it sounded like Tree Babalade is fine, is is good to go. You know, we'll see. Beamer didn't mention him specifically yesterday, but had mentioned him on Sunday. And so I imagine, guys, you're probably looking at hopefully finishing off, like starting this game the way you finished off the A&M game, unless, of course, Rashawn Lee is back, which, you know, I think they were hopeful a couple of weeks ago that this would be the week for Sean Lee would be back. At this point, I guess he is in that questionable group right now. So for all those guys, they're all questionable, but if you were really to dive in there, it's to different levels. And just like we saw last year or last week, some of the questionable guys were able to play, some weren't, and then some guys were more emergency options, but they were needed like Tree was. Yeah. And with, you know, I mentioned a minute ago, Juice Wells, if he was ready to go this weekend, maybe you still set him out for another week because theoretically you may not need him to beat a team like Jacksonville State. The offensive line's a different story because it's just had so many rough patches this season that if Rashawn Lee is ready to go this weekend, I mean, you got to think he's going to be out there. Now there's the risk of re-injury, obviously, but, you know, the offensive line needs all the help it can get. Yeah, and I think the question is, all right, is he 100%? Like, is he or is he as close to 100% as he's going to be this year? You maybe just go ahead and, and put him back out there. If there are some questions about it, I think that's when you do probably say, all right, we'd love to let these guys jail together, but at this point you don't want to risk re-injury going into, um, you know, three final games after this that are against Power 5 opponents pretty good teams but also winnable games and you know I I was curious guys to see all right we we're looking at this from a South Carolina perspective saying man these last four games are very winnable and but I was like is that more just a little bit of a local skew to the final four games well for the first time that I've noticed this year South Carolina is actually favored in the FPI over Kentucky now. Yep. So the Gamecocks are the FPI. Now, it's small, and say what you want about the FPI. It's not the uh, end-all, be-all, but South Carolina would potentially be favored in three of these four games. The weird thing is it still has Clemson as a fairly heavy favorite, which, frankly, I just don't see that the way Clemson is playing right now. Right. We'll certainly see how these last four games shake out, starting with Jacksonville State this upcoming weekend uh, on Saturday. Speaking of Saturday, this past Saturday, Saturday night, got a little bit hungry, wanted to uh, have some dinner to watch the Kentucky and uh, Tennessee game, and I took my wife to Firehouse Subs, which is a great place to go for lunch today. It is an excellent place to go lunch or dinner. They also, I I feel like people don't think about this, tailgating packages. Mm -hmm. If you're heading to the game on Saturday, the Jacksonville State game, They've got you covered. 14 different Midlands locations. Tyler, you probably checked out your home base in Lexington, right? Uh, I, no? So Y'all I, were out I, and about? I accidentally ordered at the <laughs> wrong location on the app and had to drive to West Columbia. But here's the so. good thing. If you accidentally order, un- unless you order like in New York or something, right. that, that'd be a problem. Well, that'd, that'd be your own fault. If that'd you, be your own fault if you did that. But they have 14 locations all around the Midlands. Right. So you're, you're not having to go very far. You can walk into the store, get the sub of the day, which today's the New York steamer. 
one of our favorites, $7.99 for a medium, $5.99 for a small, or you can go check out the online ordering with the Rapid Rescue. Walk into the store after you order it. It's sitting there ready for you, hot, ready to go. The pepperoni pizza meatball sub, still available. The limited time offering of the King's Hawaiian pork and slaw sandwich, still available. Order it online, firehousesubs.com or the Firehouse Subs app to earn yourself some rewards. We'll hear more from what Coach Beamer had to say yesterday to the media as the Gamecock Central take a row rolls on here on the game. Yeah, I like the new package, um, the little three three five. Uh, I thought it brought you know a different element to the game. Um, it let those guys kind of play um, a different role. Um, necessarily, you know, Jaron hasn't got any reps this year. Um, Leading up to that moment, and I think he, you know, he handled the moment, you know, really well. He's a very talented player. He's very explosive. Him and Bam, um, that's kind of what it was designed for. Um, they're both explosive linebackers that can rush and cover. So we need to get them involved, and that's what we did. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Tyler West and Chris, along with you, that was Stone Blanton yesterday talking to the media about something that the Gamecocks did a little bit differently this past weekend against. Texas A&M, we've talked at length about the defensive struggles this team has had this season. They mixed in a little bit of the 3-3-5 concept, bringing in Jaron Willis, the linebacker transfer from Ole Miss, who we hadn't really heard anything from this entire season, but he got some reps on Saturday in a couple of those packages, and uh, Gordon Stone Blanton, they do like what they saw from that and something that we certainly could see implemented a little bit more as the season rolls along. Yeah, so Stone... Still in my thunder just a little bit because the exact word I thought of watching Jared Willis play was explosive. Like, he, he just got a little juice to him. And, you know, I, I think whenever I hear a coach start to say things like they'll throw out a little compliment to a guy, and this was a couple of weeks ago, hey, Jared Willis, he couldn't block this guy when he was on scout team. Whenever a coach says that, <laughs> fast forward a couple of weeks into the future – and it's like, boom, they find a way onto the field, I think. So for him, you know, this is a kid that was very highly recruited out of high school and only had the one year at Ole Miss, didn't really play, redshirted. And I think you see, oh, four-star transfer from Ole Miss. Naturally, you're like, oh, man, this guy's going to help the linebacking court right away, potentially. Well, you dig a little deeper, and it's like, all right, he, he really has not. It's very similar to just getting – a high school guy in. So there's going to be a process. There's going to be a learning process for everybody. It kind of flips on it at different times, right? Well, to me, this is a great example of them seeing a guy that has a skill and saying, is there a way to use him more than we have? And for South Carolina, more than we have was basically none to now say, hey, we're going to put you in there in a third down pass rush package. And, dude, I mean, I don't, I don't know where PFF gets a 53 grade <laughs> on eight snaps because I thought my man was out there getting in the backfield and being disruptive. And I, I thought that was actually one of the most encouraging things from a singular player perspective that we saw against Texas A&M. And I think we're going to see that package continue to be a thing as the year goes on. Yeah, this was a guy that – and Willis that South Carolina recruited, you know, out of high school. And I think you make a great point, Wes. It's important to remember this was not a four-star transfer from Ole Miss who had been there for four years and was just using his his final year or was coming here as a grad transfer. 
He played in one game last season, right, at Ole Miss. I think he got a few snaps on special teams, a few snaps on defense, didn't, didn't even log any statistics. And so this is very much like a first-year or a second-year player. It had been really close to the same as if you signed him out of high school, he comes in, he red shirts. But now the, the difference is actually more of a learning curve, right? You're, you're not acclimated to the way – think USC does things you're not acclimated to the defense and so he had some things to to learn but Beamer I remember Beamer saying after they got him as a transfer after they got Willis that like he said I recall him saying you you can't have too many of those body types he's got the type of body and the athleticism the skill set to where um, he can yes he can factor in as a linebacker for you but he can also factor in on special teams and so this, of course, was an important position for South Carolina. They lost Brad Brad Johnson. They lost Sherrod Green. And then they lost Mo Caba, you know, to begin the season. And linebacker has probably not been what we thought it could be, right, going into the season. And so a lot of people have been wondering about Willis. But it's evident that he has started to make some strides. And I think the way that he was used uh, is probably something that the staff can continue to expand on. South Carolina has a couple of guys that I would say are in a similar mold with both Willis and Ben Martin Scott, who Stone Blanton also mentioned, you know, they're, they're linebacker shaped, basically, like linebacker bodied, <laughs> for lack of a better way to say it. But there is a pass rush skill set here. They both have some length, Stone said explosiveness, and they have that juice. And I, I think when you go to that 3 3 5, you're introducing a little bit of what we talked about AM doing in their third down pass rush you know, package going into the game. And that's that you don't, as an offense, quite know which guys are are going to be blitzing. So you've got the three-man front. you got the three linebackers. You know, based on South Carolina's tendencies, you're probably getting a five-man rush, but you just don't know which two additional guys are tacking on to those front three. And for South Carolina, I think that's something, when you look at their skill sets, that you can kind of continue to add on to that package moving forward. And two guys that, you know, Willis obviously has a lot of eligibility left. And I think Bam actually technically does have one more year if he wants it. So um, maybe a jumping off point for both of those guys going through the final four games of this year and then heading into next year. Yeah, I think that's kind of a hidden thing in this, West with, with Bam, if you could get him back. He's had some injuries over time, but he's just – he's one of those guys that's shown too many flashes for me to ignore, right? And I'm not saying he's going to have – he's going to turn into, you know, next season Xavier Leggett if he did return. That'd be a pretty extreme jump. Like, the reason that a lot of people who knew Xavier Leggett's talent didn't give up on him was because they saw – like, they knew the athleticism, the size, and they saw some of the flashes. And I feel like you've seen some flashes from Bam, right? But remember, he missed game one, you know, at linebacker. Kind of came back, got acclimated. He's had some guys in front of him, but he's got length. He's got the pass rush juice. So I'm I'm intrigued by him and Willis. Pup Howard too, you know, is another one that that's a young player who, you know, different body type, but can do some things for you there. We'll see how they continue to implement these uh, defensive changes going forward in these next four games, starting with Jacksonville State coming up on Saturday. Of course, kickoff at noon, which you can listen to right here on the game pregame coverage, starting at seven a.m. bright and early on Saturday morning. Myself and Terry Ford for Gamecocks Game Day out at Sound and Images on Bluff Road. As they get set for this final four-game slate, sitting at 2-6, and six, needing four straight wins to get to a bowl, 
team's going to look to find a little bit of joy. We'll talk about that coming up. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Yeah, um, as a team, we still got a lot ahead of us. Uh, we still got um, four games uh, that we can definitely go win. Um, and just kind of flipped the script kind of for this year. Um, but I told the guys this morning, I'm like, man, despite our record, find some joy. You know what I'm saying? Because we got four games left together. Um, I told the team, I'm like, man, this we got four guaranteed games left. Um, we got three more Tuesday practices after today. Uh, so time is coming to an end. Find some joy, man. Enjoy every single moment. Take advantage of every single moment. And just kind of enjoy being with each other. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Tyler Weston, Chris, along with you. That was on Joyner speaking in the media yesterday, giving a message that you would expect a veteran player like him to give in a season that South Carolina is having sitting at 2-6, and six, getting ready for this final four-game uh, homestead and close out the season and close out his career as South Carolina Gamecocks. He has been here for six years, just simply saying find some joy, find some motivation, find some positivity into what we're doing to hopefully steamroll into some great success this upcoming weekend. Like, again, a message you would expect a veteran player to give to his team. Well, I think to carry on, Joyner has the advantage of perspective. He has uh, been within this program for a while now, as we know. <clears throat> Excuse me. He has been – he's seen some some ups – He's been involved for some downs. You know, he came in as a quarterback, got beat out for that job, has switched positions several times, has been there for the COVID season, has been there for coaching changes, and he's coming at this answer with the perspective of knowing that when you are on a team at at any level, really, and in any sport, when you come to the end of that season – whether that's in four games or five games for South Carolina, that's the last time you will ever be on that same team. Now, Joyner has the the added aspect of, you know, this is last year at South Carolina. But even if he were a freshman, those same guys will never be in that same room again. So I think we have to remember if a player is giving you what was a very honest from the hard answer, they're answering questions in a press conference from the perspective of a player, not from the perspective of you or me in the media or a fan out there. They're not going to say what you want them to say because they're, you may live and die, you think, by the three hours on Saturday. They literally live through the program every single day of the week. So when he says find some joy, he's not saying not to try to pretend I know what he's saying, but I if I could dive into his brain, I think what he's saying is, I'm not saying find some joy in being two and six. I am saying there is joy in the struggle of being on a football team with your lifelong friends. There is joy in the moments in the locker room every single day. There is joy in going to battle on a in an SEC stadium every single week, and to care and the the other part that makes no sense to me about anyone having any issue with what to carry on Joiner said, what's he supposed to do? Quit because they're yeah. two and six? Like we sit here and we expect the guys to potentially win four games in a row, 
and get to bowl eligibility. How are you going to do that if you sit there and feel sorry for yourself because you're two and six? The way a leader moves you forward into the final four games is by saying, no, we're not happy with being two and six, but we're going to find a way to fight it out when we got four games left and we know we have to win the final four games. Anybody can be a leader when you're six and two. The real leaders are the people who can stand there and respond when you're two and six. Yeah. It's it's hard to even add anything on top of that. But, you know, you can't say – one thing I would say is you can't, as a fan or anybody else, say, win anyway or just get it fixed and then say, and then expect that to be done in the context of some, like, misery, right? Like, that's – it's a good thing, quite frankly – and the one thing that you would have to say, even if you think, if you're somebody that think the entire coaching staff should be fired and everything involved with it and everything's horrible, you couldn't deny that Shane Beamer and this program, over the course of the first two and a half years plus, has always kept the team engaged. They've not always performed well, and sometimes they perform very well. But the constant has been, if there's a struggle they typically respond to it, right? When they have been written off by fans, by, by like like last year, thought they were going to get destroyed by Tennessee. I, I didn't say it in that type of way, but I thought they would lose that game. They didn't. I was wrong. And a big part of that is because after the worst performance that we've seen from Gamecock football in a while, Shane Beamer, his coaches, and the players, to their credit, stayed engaged. They, they stayed in the fight. And... um it's a good thing that these players keep that perspective. And I think that shows a lot of maturity. You know, Joyner has had some challenges in his life. As Wes said, he's had challenges in his career. He's still here. He's still fighting. He's still showing leadership. And that is the way that you go and have a chance to go and produce some results later. It, it, if you want people to fall apart and complain and have a bad locker room, They've got no shot going yeah. forward to, to produce any results. Well, to put it simply, you're not going to play well if you're miserable. So finding joy in the fact that, hey, we all love this game of football. know the season is not going well, but we still have an opportunity to win a couple games, get an extra game, get a ball game, and send guys like to carry on Joyner out on some kind of high note. And those are the, it's the little things you got to find joy in. And again, it's it's coming together as a team and turning to a guy like Caron, who, as you mentioned, has been through a lot of ups and downs, not only in his career in South Carolina, but it's, you know his life as well. That um, you know that's the right message to send. I think when you're a college football player and having the chance to talk to some of the guys that have been in this program or other programs ten years after they played at South Carolina or twenty years after they played at South Carolina, yes, there will be some moments on the field that I'm sure Joyner and any of the seniors will remember for the rest of their lives, but they're also going to remember everything in the locker room as well. There's going to be that, you know, the goofball on the team telling the joke in the locker room that that cracked everybody up. There's going to be the the thing that happened at practice when, you know, the stuff that we never actually are privy to a lot of times, but that you're going to remember for the rest of your your life basically and those friendships and those relationships that you made. So, you know, I I think again, to go back to what I said at the top, we gotta remember he's telling you his perspective as a South Carolina senior football player. 
And that's always going to be different than a fan or media's perspective looking at it from the outside. Yeah, I, I think about like our our buddy Preston Thorne, who who saw he he lived through some lean moments on the field, and I think about some of the stories that he tells, and like you you look at him, you sit with him in a room and see him tell those stories, and some of them were about things that were not fun at the time. Sure, but you you see his perspective on it and the joy and 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 what you know he still carries that you know people you know when Phil Petty passed away. People talk. Phil produced some great moments on the field. He also had some moments that he was part of, and others on his team that were not as fun. Right? That's part of being on a team, um, and just hearing people tell stories about him as a person and as a football player. Like that's important perspective. Yes, everybody wants to win, but you don't win week to week. You don't overcome failure. You don't overcome a loss to go pick yourself back up without keeping that type of perspective. And that's something that. Uh, this program has been good at. Ha- have they been good at winning football games lately? Not not as much this year, right? But the fact that they've had a chance to do so and the fact that we're sitting here wondering if they have a chance to have success on this homestand, if the locker room had fallen apart and they didn't have guys like on Joyner, Spencer Rattler, et cetera, we'd all be going, I don't, I don't really like their chances to do that. By the way, Preston, if you're listening, you're in the 20 years ago category Ooh. for football. Love you, buddy. But not listening anymore. But you are upset about saying that. He just turned us off. But um, I guys, I I kind of feel like this team is going to go on a run. Like it it really sets Mm. up. I I think they beat Jacksonville State and they beat Vanderbilt. Then you start to build some momentum, right? Sure. The Kentucky game is actually the one I circle as being the biggest barrier right now. And if if they can win that game, and that partially depends on, in my opinion, which Devin Leary you get on the other side. Not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I I really think that they've got a pretty good shot of making this run once they start to build some momentum. Some of what we've seen with this four-game losing streak is it's obviously letting the Florida game get away, mm-hmm. but also just the way the schedule set up for them. Well, maybe it's beneficial that Devin Leary had his breakout game against Tennessee instead of saving that for South Carolina in a couple weeks, as several quarterbacks seem to have done this season. Well, you got to hope that he does not continue that. You got to yes. hope he reverts to the uh, the baseline of some of what we've so- seen this season. That is very true. Well, hopefully we can all take a little bit from on Joyner's message and find some joy in these last four weeks of the regular season, hope for the best, and see if they can get to that ball game once the season is uh, over and uh, done with. Speaking of the postseason, by the way, we got our first reveal of the college football playoff rankings last night. Take a quick peek at that and see how that sets up for the rest of the regular season. Coming up, it's Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on The Game. Again, as we looked at it, Reese, you know, the, obviously the big win uh, at Notre Dame, the win over Penn State, you know, top five defense. They, they've got difference makers on offense uh, across the board. Marvin Harrison Jr. is an elite player. And as we looked at it, uh, you, you know, we came to the conclusion as a group that uh, Ohio State deserved to be the number one team. 
Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West and Chris along with you. That the voice of Boo Corrigan, the uh, chair of this year's <clears throat> College Football Playoff Committee, talking about <clears throat> why the Ohio State Buckeyes are the number one team in the first, <clears throat> excuse me, college football playoff rankings. About to of, take over for you yeah, here, Tyler. All good. Give you a moment. Ohio State number one in the first college football playoff rankings for 2023, followed by Georgia, Michigan, and Florida State rounding out the top four. Washington on just the outside looking in at number five. But, of course, everything's going to work itself out over the course of these next couple weeks before we ultimately decide the final, final four in the college football playoff as we go to the 12-team format in 2024 but Ohio State at number one makes perfect sense to me yeah you know I don't think they're the number one team in the country right now but it's hard to argue that their resume is maybe not the best in, in terms of what they have won it goes back to that debate we have every year best versus most deserving we talk about the number one team. They haven't looked as dominant as they have in years past. You can definitely say the quarterback play has taken a little bit of a step back compared to what they've been used to over these past couple of years. But they're still winning games, which at the end of the day is what matters. And they do have two wins over current teams ranked at 11th and 15th with Penn State and Notre Dame. And that's hard to argue against because nobody else quite has that resume just yet. Yeah, I, I think to your point, man, it, it's going to sort itself out. We talked about this last week. This was part of our Friday conversation. Um, as the pressure mounts, teams start losing games they shouldn't on paper. Oklahoma ends up losing a game that they were, you know, favored in and, and takes their first loss of the year. So I, I will say this, though, man. Ohio State probably should be number one right now based on the resume. But when I look at the rest of the top seven, I like the quarterback situation better at all other six schools than mm-hmm. Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, that would be Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Washington, and Oregon, um, and Texas yes. at seven. Then when, Alabama. When, you, when yours comes back at Texas. Yes. Alabama's eight. That's that's where I that's I cut the line between seven and eight, basically. So um, how about Ole Miss sneaking in at number 10? That is... They're like quietly sitting there Very. at seven and one, which is weird for a Lane Kiffin team. Yeah. Like, I guess Lane quiet. is not quiet, but <clears throat> well, but, but that's why it is. shouldn't be and, quiet. And look, Ole Miss has got a tough test in a couple weeks, taking on Georgia. If they can find a way to win that game and beat a potentially number two ranked Georgia team, they would be in the perfect position to maybe backdoor their way into the college football playoff. If theoretically Alabama runs the table, won the West or whatever, what Ole Miss doesn't have to worry about the SEC championship game. I don't think it's going to happen, but there's a path if they can find a way to beat Georgia. Yeah, that first if is doing a lot of heavy lifting. It is. There, <laughs> Tyler, if they can beat your Georgia Bulldogs. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like Ole Miss under Lane has been, like, knocking on the door for a while now. They just have not quite been good enough to, to walk through the door. But, let's see, that, that game is... In two weeks. Yes. It's at Georgia, though. Yeah. But the Ge- rest of their schedule, though. Have what? you looked at the rest of their schedule? For Georgia or Ole Miss? Ole Miss. They have A&M, Mississippi State, Georgia. Is that it? They got one more game? UL Monroe. UL Monroe. So, yeah. mm-hmm. Everything else works out well for them. It's just the Georgia game that's... And as Lane pointed know. out, Jimbo's just trying to get bowl eligible. That's right. You know, <laughs> hear that shade N- the other day? Nice oh, little dig God. by... Uh, 
It, coaches, Tough. This, coaches this year are not afraid. I mean, Lane's always done it, but coaches this year in general not afraid to speak their mind. And I'm I'm here for it. It's <laughs> it's the uh, it's very entertaining. Chris yep. is raising his hand. Interesting stat here too. I wanted to sneak in on you know college football playoff rankings. Cole Kubelik from SEC Network pointed this out. So out of the ones that are undefeated, and those are the ones that happen to be in the top five, Ohio State has the best overall opponent record. Maybe that baked in there. Ohio State opponents, 37 and 28. There are a couple schools, uh, Washington and Georgia, who have opponent opponents have a net losing record, a total losing record. Um, Steve Fink, South Carolina's SID, by the way. South Carolina, of course, not in these rankings. But their opponent record, cumulative, 48 and 16 this year. Toughest schedule um, in the nation. Toughest schedule in the nation got to be. The the others out of the schools in the top, I don't know, 10 or 15, however many schools Cole has listed here, nobody else um, in terms of opponents has less than 28, 27 opponent losses. Texas actually has 24. You know, 40 and 24 is Texas. So Texas has played a pretty tough schedule overall. Um, and- Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York.